Hey guys, don't forget the 2023 Street Cop Training Conference, Nashville, Tennessee, April 23rd through the 28th. You do not want to miss this so far. Guest speakers, Rob O'Neill, the Navy SEAL that was responsible for killing Osama bin Laden. Kyle Carpenter, U.S. Marine, Medal of Honor recipient, jumping on an IED to protect his platoon. Fox News host Tommy Lahren returns for 2023. Sheriff Wayne Ivey, Sheriff Mark Lamb, Sheriff David Clark, and more to come. You don't want to miss this event. We additionally have 20 of the country's top law enforcement educators giving you the best experience of your life. You will leave this event knowing more about your job and how to be proficient at the things that you do, hands down, than any other event that you'll ever attend. I personally guarantee it. Don't miss out. There's a room code at streetcop.com for our room block and room code at the Gaylord at Opry is where the event's taking place. Don't miss out on a discounted rate. The rate is from Sunday to Thursday. Put that in and find yourselves at a half-price room. Split it with a friend, but make sure you get there. You don't want to miss this event. It is going to be that good. If you trust me and you trust Street Cop, trust that you will leave there feeling like you've had an experience of a lifetime. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. My name is Dennis Benito. I wonder if I get that so good every single time that people think it's a recording, but I it's thought, not. I thought it was a recording. Did you really? I swear to God, I thought it was a recording. Well, the voice you hear in the background is Rich Bruno, who is our firearms instructor here, was nice enough this morning to bring us Dunkin' Donuts. And I got to tell you, it's delicious, Rich. It's like Cheers. you brewed it yourself. Cheers. This is great. I guess it's a plug for Dunkin' Donuts in some sense. I guess so. I love Dunkin' Donuts coffee. We should probably reach out to them to be a sponsorship. Cop program, Dunkin' Donuts. It makes a lot of sense, Frank. Sponsor the podcast. Great idea. All right. We'll find out. Richard, Dick. Whatever you whatever you want to say. <laughs> what are we talking Not about today? Not the first time I've ever heard that one. Uh, me neither. I've been called the same. What are we talking about today? You want to go into, first of all, the issues of concealed carry? Yeah. So that's been a, uh, since the beginning of July. So the Supreme Court ruled that the case in New York was unconstitutional and that now the states can't ask for justifiable need for citizens to constitutional carry. So obviously that hit New Jersey in a big way and blew up people's schedules and things like that. So so now there's a lot of a lot of the indoor ranges, uh, people like me who do it privately for citizens, uh, putting out these programs to get people ready for their carry permit, right? Because it's not concealed carry, it's carry. Obviously we push people towards the concealed portion because there are people that are going to start walking around open carrying in New Jersey, and we really don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So, But technically, you're saying right now they can open right carry. Right now, the law reads carry. doesn't say anything about concealed. The word concealed was removed from the law in New Jersey in like <clears throat> 1964. Don't quote me on that one. Like around that time, the word concealed was removed out of it. The original carry law was made in like 1924 or something like that. And then in the 60s, it was changed. And the word conceal was removed. They never thought that this would ever come. So they made the, the, the laws written in the administrative code and in 2C. It's crystal clear on the process. It's actually very easy to do um, for retired cops. Like when I, when I qualify you, it's the, same, it's the same exact thing. It's talking about private citizens. So for me, when I do it is I provide a use of force portion 
which was given to me from the state police as a qualified uh, to do retired police officers, a safe handling portion that I sign off on saying that people are safe, and then the live fire qual. And I make them shoot the HQC1, the 60-round course that, that the cops do, as well as the night fire. Is the, that mandated? It's not mandated, right? So in the law, it says substantially equivalent to the police training. It doesn't say what that is. So for me, in my, in my mind, why not just make them do the one that we do because that's the only thing it talks about is the police training. So that way they can never take from me what I do for my customers. They'll never make it harder than that. If they make it easier, so be it. You pass the hard one. I've done 75 and only three people have failed the, the live shoot, which then they go out and they get some training or they come to me for some extra training and then they come back for it. Of all of it, though, I think the most important part is the, is the actual use of force portion. You know, I spend about two or three hours in the beginning of the course talking about that because... It's something that people have never really thought about in their life about carrying a gun. This is this is July 1st, this started. And now civilians are thinking about concealed carrying guns around the state. Um, the state's obviously putting out some restrictions as to where you can and can't. Obviously, there's the federal law about schools and things like that, government buildings. But now civilians are actually thinking about they're actually going to carry guns. And the thing that I give to them is the decision part of it, the the thinking about it, not the mindset type thing, but more of it's the way I live my life, right? Is predetermined decisions about being a police officer and things like that. My biggest concern with concealed carry, and I want law enforcement to listen to this and understand this. My biggest concern about concealed carry is blue on blue. Is a person in ShopRite, God forbid, of a, an active shooter in ShopRite. Well, now you have 50 people, arguably, with concealed carry, with carry permits, legal, as well as off-duty cops in there. And you have some lunatic who goes in there and starts shooting it up. Well, now the cops come and they see a person with a gun who might have just stopped the active shooter. That's the thing I, I'm worried about. What it, ha I, it happened recently, right? Didn't it just happen in... Uh in the, in the northwest somewhere. Uh, you know what? I didn't see it if it did. It was last year. I want to say it was South Dakota. I mean, we could just, we could Google it, but for the, the lack of, and I'm not, no, I mean, no disrespect to the police officer who lost his life. He actually stopped an active shooter. Responding cop showed up and killed him. That's, so I didn't even know that. So you ever I, talk about like, I mean, for example, I know that I still carry, even though I'm retired, I still have a badge. I don't have a badge because I go around and flash it. My thought is, if I do have to draw and intervene in an active shooter, I know that I put probe in my brain that I'm going to take my badge out and hold it up the whole time. Once it's done, right, I'm going to hold my badge up. So what, what I say to people about that is, and I just be completely honest, one of the things about myself is I hold myself accountable 100% in everything I do in my life. And I'm honest with myself, especially when I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm honest with myself. There are times I don't carry a badge on me. It's in my car. There are times where I don't have a badge on me. I always have a police identification card on me, but I don't always have a badge on me. My response to you on that is, under stress, I don't think it's going to matter whether you hold a badge up or not. I mean, as I'm shooting, I'm saying like if, if people are responding. When it's all said and done, what I tell the, the civilians especially is, if you engage somebody, God forbid, if you ever take a gun out, the, the minute the engagement is over and it the scene is safe and the you know, let's say the threat is down, holster that gun immediately mm -hmm. or put the gun on the floor, whatever it is you're going to do, because when the police show up, you want your hands free and up, the police are going to come in. Think about it. Your heart rate's going to be 200. You're going to come through the door. And what happens with when, an a, when they are 15 with an AR 15 that, you know, they're going to shoot you, shoot you at distance. 
But what ha- what's the one thing that happens when your heart rate goes past that 165, 170? You start to get tunnel vision. So the cops coming in that are all geared up, that are all souped up because they just got 100 911 calls for an active shooter in ShopRite. They come through the door. They see a person with a gun. They're going to probably shoot the person with the gun. So my biggest concern is the blue on blue. And I call it blue on blue because it's friendly fire. It's one of the terms that we just use with the with the SWAT team, uh, with 50 guys in a building coming in and out of rooms, you know, blue, blue, blue. That's my biggest concern. My concern for me, I carry a gun 24-7. When I'm in ShopRite, picking up groceries, I have a gun. The thing that I've done and I put out to the people, and I put it out to police officers as well, is, again, why do we carry a gun? What's the important reason? Is to protect other people. Yes, I use the gun to protect myself, but I have that gun to protect others That's number one. The mission is to save lives, no matter who it is. If I'm with my children or my wife, the mission is to save them. So if I'm in a store and an active shooter happens and I'm with my kids, I'm sorry to everybody else that's in there, but I'm getting my wife and my kids. We're bailing out of there and we're not coming back. Now, if I'm by myself, I have an obligation morally, ethically, as a police officer and as a person to try to protect the people that can't protect themselves. The thought in my head is, there's a good chance I'm going to get shot by a police officer on duty, off duty, or now in today's world, a civilian who's carrying a gun. Now, I think about it on the other end, too. If I were in ShopRite in the, the produce aisle and on the other side of the store, shots break out and I run over there and I turn the corner and there's a person with a gun. I heard gunshots and I shoot that person. What if that person is a is a off-duty police officer or a legal person carrying a gun these days. So one of the things that I'm putting out to people is to make predetermined decisions, to think about the things. Let's talk about it for cops. That's one of the things that I can say I benefited the most with doing eight years with the SWAT team. We trained so much. We thought of so many scenarios. We thought of every possible thing that could go wrong, that could be good. The training that we've done with the tier one military units They've given us this way to think and train is I live that now every minute of my life. So when I left my house to come here today, I thought in my head, what's the mission? The mission is to get to street cop headquarters without getting into a car accident. How do I do that? Well, I don't text and drive. I drive somewhat to speed limit. I don't weave in and out of lanes, so on and so forth. While here, you know, I think of the same thing. Yes, I'm armed. And if something were to pop off in this building, I don't have to worry about my kids. I have to go and protect people in this building. That is the, it's a training. I don't like, you know, always like to use the word mindset, but it's a, it's a way to live my life in the way as a police officer. If you don't think that way, you know, there's cops I know that don't carry guns off duty. It, that's their choice. Um, I personally don't agree with it because uh, you're not just a cop when you're on the clock. Think about it from the minute I wake up to protect my family, protect others, and especially at work. Every part of training is important, right? Case law, huge. Um, proactive policing, huge. Jiu-jitsu, huge. Going to the gym, physical training, huge. Firearms to me is is equal or more for the matter of if I take the gun out and I'm not that good with it, there is a liability to other people. I might hurt somebody that's innocent or one of my coworkers or things like that. So I put more time into the firearms portion because there's more of a, of a risk of injuring somebody else if I'm a little careless with that. If I'm not as good at jujitsu, I'm probably going to get my ass kicked a little bit sooner 
uh, as opposed to shooting an innocent person by by accident. So the way that I I structure it for being a cop, it's not just at work, it's off, is making those predetermined decisions, right? And now this this in New Jersey, civilians carrying guns has to be the same thing, right? Because when you leave your house and you carry a gun on you, you have to know when you're going to take that gun out. You have to think of that. And us as cops have to now know that, hey, there are people going to be walking the streets with legal guns. We have to adjust to the way now we stop cars, the way we make approaches to people. You think of every person now. Yeah, we always thought every person might have a gun on them. Well, now there's a good chance that people do have guns on them. And look, we know 99.9% of the people are lawful gun owners and, and are going to be uh, supporting us if need be. But we have to have that that thought process and make those predetermined decisions about what we are going to do under stress. Because you know it as well as I do, when a stressful incident happens, if you've never thought of it or never gone over it in training, and you have to think in the moment then, that's when bad things happen. All good points. It's very reassuring that you know, you're putting a lot of thought into this and considering it to be a very serious thing, which it is a serious thing. I'm going to jump in and play devil's advocate a little bit here. Well, the first thing I want to say, let me back up a little bit too, maybe just offering some advice that maybe taking a second to think, and maybe if you have that second to assess in a situation before you pull a trigger, in a situation where it's a little unclear, it might behoove you. So whether or not you can do that, that's up to you, but I would think about what that's going to look like. In a situation that's very similar to the circumstance you talked about where you think there might be somebody else actively engaging an active shooter. Now, I hear you saying a lot of things about, well, in New Jersey now, in New Jersey now, in New Jersey now. Yeah, right. But like there's 47 other states where they've been carrying guns lawfully. So the question is, is we come up with these theories of, well, this could happen, that could happen, this could happen, this could happen, that could happen, that could happen. I don't know enough context of it, but has it happened in the, in the history of the country or 47 other states where the people are carrying it? Is there a more likelihood that a bad guy is going to encounter a good guy with a gun and lose? You know, what's the what's the ratio of what the concerns are? You yeah, know, I, mean? I don't know. But all, all I know is I mean, I, you're saying things like, well, now in New Jersey, you have to worry about that. But Rich, you drive 30 minutes west. That's what they deal with in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go to I remember going to uh, Little Rock, Arkansas and doing a class. I mean, picked up by the guy who hosted the training and I mean, an AR just laying on his sure. he like in his front seat. And like fully, you know, blown out police AR. I'm like, not, you know, I'm like, uh, dude, you just leave this fucking gun out like this? You know, because we come from this state of, which is fine, you know, but he's like, bro, everybody in this goddamn state drives around with guns like this. Mm-hmm. My brother-in-law told me they used to make announcement at his high school in Arizona that you can't have guns on school property. He goes, so you'd see everybody's cars were lined up on the street outside of the school. Because they and guys guns, had so. rifle racks at yeah. 18 years of age, you know, in their in the in the back of their pickup trucks. These guys, these kids are carrying rifles. You know, nobody's shooting up the school, but that's literally how life is. So yeah. for us, coming from this liberal idealism, we're not used to this at all. But if we talk to other people in other states, are the concerns you have, which are valid concerns, no mm-hmm. question about it. But how realistic are those concerns? In my opinion, they're very realistic because you know why? We've actually mimicked this in training. For instance, um, SWAT team training, whatever we were doing, wherever we were. All right, you guys go in there, do a hostage rescue. It's an active shooter, whatever it is. Whatever the training topic was of that day. Target discrimination was one of the most important things we had to do. Because you know what kind of scenarios we would set up? Is we would set up that the, the hostage taker made himself look like a victim 
when you walk into a room just to throw off your attention. Like we did things like that. And I'll tell you under stress. Yes, it's not, it wasn't a real scenario. It wasn't real bullets flying at you. But when we entered a room and you see a person with a gun in their hand, it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of training. Listen, everything we talk about comes back to one thing, training, consistent training, repetitive training, things like that. So in that scenario, when you go in there, we had to be super target discriminant and think about what we did. I don't think the rate, again, how many times has it happened in the world? I don't know. But it's something that I think is very important. It's something that when I give these civilians this, this presentation, I give it to them from my perspective. This is what I think about. Maybe I'm crazy. But when I'm in a, in a public setting and I have a firearm on me, when I think about deploying that firearm into a scenario, I'm worried about the surrounding, right? I'm worried about the person who doesn't think that way, who wants to be a hero, who turns the corner and just sees me with a gun in their hand and says, it's my time to shine. Here I am going to be a hero. Boom. And shoots me. In my mind, it's a realistic thing. Again, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it's never happened one time. But when I think of it, that's how I think of it. And that's, to me, is, is a very real thing to put in people's heads to make sure if you are to do that when the police come, hey, make sure you don't have a firearm in your hand. Happened at work a, a couple months ago. We got a call. Someone said that they thought an intruder was in their house. Okay, no big deal. We go over there. We park down the road. We walk up. The lady who called was waiting for us. Well, when she came out the front door, she had a machete in her hand that was like this long. We were in the street. We thought it was kind of funny. We're like, hey, lady, it's the police. You can put the machete down. She's like, oh, okay. Now, what happens if she walks out with a firearm? I'm not saying I'm going to open fire on her immediately because I knew what I knew going in was a homeowner was like, that's things that people have to be told. If you have a firearm in your hand and the police come to your house, put it down. Right. Like people have to be told that. For their safety and ours, right. in that matter. No question. So in that part- You got to uh, relinquish that to the police at that point. 100%. Yeah. Same thing in, in a public setting. In my mind, that's the thing that I'm concerned about. It probably it's these other states, it hasn't been a big concern. Why? Because they've never gone through what we've gone through over the last 50 or 60 years of not being able to carry guns. So in Texas or wherever these states are where they've been allowed to- Every state but ours eh, and New York yeah, yeah. and uh, Cali. And all these places that, that have these laws, uh, their constitutional carry that's never been an issue. I'm worried about it here because it's so new. People are so geared up. I've had people offer me- money to just sign the paperwork for them because they don't want to go through the training portion. They just want to carry a gun because it's their right. Mm -hmm. So I do worry about it. You know why I worry about it? Because I've trained a lot of people in the last two years, civilians, and I see what, what a lot of them are. They're great people that want to exercise their rights. And they're finally starting to realize that it's have, a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility to have weapons. And it's not just easy to get a gun and shoot and be accurate. And it, <clears throat> It's, to me, it's like, be a professional. Even if you're a civilian and you're going to carry a gun now, you're going to walk around with a concealed weapon on you. You have, to, you have to be a professional in that manner of, I'm the one carrying a gun. Do it in a professional manner. Same as us as cops. I treat my training the way I do because I consider myself a professional. I train the way I train and, and the amount of how I train because I'm a professional. I've been tasked with the most important job in the world, to me, is to save, save lives. If I'm not the best I can be on game day, I'm doing a disservice to the people that have tr you know, entrusted in me to do that. You said that I, um, at one time we had a conversation prior that you believed that I had to conceal carry. Now you're saying that I don't have to conceal carry? 
as a retired police officer? Leosa law is right now, the way it is with that ruling is in New Jersey up until this Supreme Court case. As district court. No, I'm talking okay, about yeah. the New York Supreme okay, Court right, case. Right. And, and forgive me for not remembering the name of it. But when that all came down. I think it was Terry v. Ohio. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one that we all remember, right? Um, Hold on. We all remember? Nobody's read the fucking thing. No, because of you. Yeah, that's We it. all remember it now because of you. What's well, just simple principles. I mean, like you should know. I mean, I would argue that everybody should at very minimum read Terry v. Ohio. It's a third. It's, I, you know, I don't want to say it's 37 pages, but it's a long opinion. Most of it you'll probably not understand, but there's a lot of stuff in there. And that's really reading case law. What you got to do is go in and find the real good meat and potatoes, what they meant, why they meant it, what they're saying, and how to expand upon it. Sorry, that was a Dennis Benito <laughs> case law rip. I've taken your class. It's real good. Thanks, dude. I Long before it. I knew you. So, um, When did you take my class? I've taken, so much better taken now. taken three. Wow, of mine? Yeah. Before, yeah it's long better before, now, Long dude. before COVID. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to come to another sure. one. Sure. I'll out. just do one for you for free. We'll just do Sweet. it. Yeah, Let's do it right now. It's done. Yeah. All right. So... Retired police officers in New Jersey. As of now, um, everybody's been applying to the state police for a carry permit, a retired police officer carry permit, which is just a New Jersey carry permit. The reason is now uh, you don't have to do that if you don't plan to use your gun for profit, for security purposes. Mm -hmm. Most retired cops use, use their weapon, use that permit to work security, armed security, the schools, whatever it is. Now they're saying that if you just want to carry a gun under Leosa, you don't have to get that in New Jersey. New Jersey states, if you're going to work in this state with armed, you need that license. You need that RPO still. You need the SORA license. So the question came to me was, hey, can you give me a uh, Leosa card? And I said, I don't know what a Leosa card is. Uh, this is all still new. Things are being worked out. And when that, that comes, yes, I will offer those to retired police officers as well. But as of right now, like, hey, just still run through the through the process because you never know. Most guys are using their guns for for work anyway. So mm -hmm. interesting stuff. Yeah. What other topics did you want to go over today? What's some important stuff that you wanted to discuss? So we've hit on it last time as well, and I'll hit on it again. The importance in training for law enforcement since doing the um, firearms classes for street cop. A lot of the feedback that I've been getting is that the classes are really good. Everyone has a good time. I got a text message uh, before from somebody who said that, you know, uh, I had a private session with you a couple of weeks ago and I did, I did so much better today at the range. Yeah, I get a lot of that, but it's got to be consistent, right? Because if you do anything today and don't do it for six months in six months, you're going to be, you know, you're not going to be as good. I really want to hit on the repetitive, the, the consistent training, firearms, physical training, case law, for instance. I'm training a couple of new guys at work right now. The biggest focus I have with them is the first guy, first day was, hey, what do you know about motor vehicle law? What do you know about motor vehicle case law? And his, his answer was zero. And I said, okay. I pulled out my phone and I texted him the street cop website. I said, if you really want to be good, this is what you need to do. Right then and there, he registered for three courses. Wow. Three, right? That guy shows me he wants to learn. The other guys are pushing to do the same thing. So now he's going to go to three classes by the end of this year just to, to get himself better. My agency um, sends people to training. We're in between some scheduling issues right now. So it's, it's not, I told so them. So is everybody in the country. So, hey way, man, yeah. don't even work. Don't even try to do that because our schedule is crazy right now. Just go and, and send yourself. They'll give you a day off. And that's what he did. Firearms, same thing. 
pushing them to go to a firearms course, pushing them to do this. More importantly, there's free jujitsu courses out there for law enforcement. Matt and Scott from uh, NJ Leo, those guys are putting on open mats once a month. If you're not going to those open mats, you should be going to those open mats. Matt and Scott are amazing. They're doing great things for law enforcement with defensive tactics training, jujitsu. It's amazing. So is every other jujitsu school in New Jersey. I can name a hundred of them. The one that I know the most is the one that I go to, Dante Rivera's and Freehold. He loves law enforcement. Go there, get training. They're, they do law enforcement seminars. How tough is that dude? How tough is he? Yeah. I told him this. I said, if you went crazy, I would shoot you in the first one second I had from as far away as I could because a guy like that is just a killer. He's like also it. the most compassionate person. He's such a great uh, mentor and coach and instructor. My, does my, a nice job. He does a nice is, job. My five-year-old is going to start going. My, my eight-year-old goes. I'm going to drag my kids back. They love him. He's so good with the kids. His kid program is amazing. Yeah, no, he does a nice job. I saw it. I was and, happy. And then stay for the for the MMA fight team guys and watch what he's, he's putting out, some of the toughest guys in the state. There are so many other places that are great too. But my point is, all of these places are offering training to law enforcement. We got to do it. Yes, we're probably going to use jujitsu as cops more than we're going to use our firearms. However, when that firearm comes out of your holster, you better be the best you can be with that on that day. Why? Because we've been tasked with saving people's lives. We owe it to the people of, of the state, of the community, our families, our friends, our coworkers, to be the best we can be. We have to be well-rounded. If you just know case law and do nothing else, okay, you'll be good. You'll be good on paper. You can teach case law. You need to be, we all need to be well-rounded. And I'm not perfect. There's way more stuff that I need to do and get better at. I know that. But pushing the new guys is being well-rounded. Coming to the street cop courses, firearms courses, jujitsu, going to the gym, exercising, doing all that stuff. All of that is important. One of the best organizations out there is the New Jersey Women in Law Enforcement Association. They do a monthly mentorship program for their members. By the way, if you're a male or female and not a member, sign up. They offer a free mentorship program. That is financial training, firearms training, defensive tactics, leadership. I mean, they put, they put out some great things. So we need to be well-rounded. So when you ask me, one of the things that I want to put out is, is training. And it's not just me. There are a million people. Yes, I think I put on a real good program for firearms. Come out, rifle or pistol. Uh, you'll learn a lot. We're going to start rolling out a little bit more uh, like level two courses, uh, I think, next year and really pushing the pace, right? Because the courses now are, are fundamental based, right? Helping fundamentals. Next year, we're really going to start pushing the pace and doing more practical shooting, right? What it's really going really gonna to be like under stress. So training is the biggest thing for me. It's got to be repetitive. We got to be professionals about it. We have to be. Mm. So the last part of that is, and the question that was asked to me earlier today from one of the, one of the question and answers on Instagram was, who is it that I train with to, to be a good instructor to get better, right? The names to me aren't, aren't that important for credibility. It's always be a student, right? As much as I'm an instructor, I'm an instructor in my department and all these other places. I have to be a student first. Being a student makes me a better instructor. I just spent a weekend out in Ohio at one of the biggest shooting events of the year, uh, networking, shooting, and training events. Um, Ohio Range Day, that's run by Achilles Hill Tactical. Big shout out to those guys, man. Rick, Zach, what's up, Zach? 
all of those guys. But do you uh, see that Rick and Zach listen to the podcast? Hundred percent, they do. Oh, and I was sick. gonna, I was gonna kiss your ass a little bit too, and give you give you some of this from out there. But like, you don't have to kiss my ass. No, no, yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of funny actually. But like, go out there for this thing. It's application only. You have to be selected. It costs a ton of money to go out there. You get two solid days of training. You get to evaluate new gear and do all these things. Yeah, flying around in helicopters and shooting oh, machine guns. I saw guns. that shit, yeah. So, like, that stuff is fun. <clears throat> How was that? What were we guys shooting at? Just targets? Steel targets. They had them set up at all distances. How cool was that? Scary at all? Uh, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was petrified because I hate heights. So, I'm like, I'm going to freaking go in a helicopter right now. And shout out to uh, Charlie from Hades Consulting who was standing with me when the helicopter flew overhead and he goes, Oh, it'll, you'll be fine. Don't worry. If you fall from that distance, you, you won't die. You'll just be a paraplegic or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. So he was in the military. So he's like, I've been on those things a million times, but that was awesome. Yeah. Like, the minute the helicopter went up in the air, if there was that, there's a video of it, I'm sure. I was holding on for dear life. Within 15 seconds, I was like, this is not bad at all. You weren't even that high. We're 200 feet off the ground, maybe. The, the pilot turns the corner and there's the targets and it's like, hey, green light, start shooting. And you just start ripping rounds at all these. It was it you guys was shooting a, ARs out of it. Yeah, shooting rifles out of it. It's cool. But just, the video's on my Instagram. Check it out. But uh, I want to do the one where you go and like eradicate hogs. And yeah. Stuff. Oh, dude, that's that's the one I really want to do. That's out in like Texas. You can do that. Well, Craig said Craig Meyer said when I come to Texas again, he's like, bro, he actually has because I don't know if you know that Craig Meyer, who's one of our profound instructors. I mean, this guy's gonna be. One of the big names here, no question about it. His class is ridiculous. I mean, we just he just ran ran it here. No, oh, I can't wait. To see it's it. dude, it's wild. I can't it's wait. just one of those ones where you're just like, there's a big one. There's a big deal. This is going to be a national big big class. Um, not that all of them aren't. It's just his is very universal. It's very 2022, and he's the guy. But he actually was a paid hunter. Really? Yeah, dude. So he like for 15 years he was a sponsored paid hunter. He's got wild stories, but. He actually has contracts with these farmers where he gets paid to go out and eradicate these, these uh, you know, these wild boars. Oh, wow. And he's like, bro, you come down. We'll go knock off 40, 50 of these things in a <laughs> night. I go, you serious? He goes, yeah, we'll, go, we'll load a pickup truck. We'll go set up like a turret on top. And we'll just go knock like 40 of these things off. They have it, though, where you can do it from a helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm saying, like, I'll still do it from the truck, yeah, too. Sure. But anyway. That'll be, that'll be a good trip. Let's do that. I would love to do All that. All right, I'll let you know when I'm going out uh, there. But the point of what I was saying was I spent a ton of money to go out there, spend two or three days out there, train with some of the biggest names in the industry. Again, I, you know, they've asked me to shout names out. The companies that I've paid a lot of money to train with are are these tier one guys, man. Hades Consulting, right? Zach and Charlie, take their class. These guys bring bring something to the table that I could never, ever have experienced in my life, right? Like I said, all the guys from Achilles, they're amazing. Tony Cowden. Civil- oh, I know Tony Cowden. Tony Cowden is one of the best instructors I've ever... We brought him up here to Sayreville last year. Oh, really? To do a private thing for the SWAT team. No shit. It was amazing. He's one of the coolest guys I've ever... Yeah. Lives in California, right? No, no. He's a North Carolina guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, a North right. Carolina guy. Ran for Congress last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, oh, yeah, Cowden. Right, that's awesome, right. Awesome, yeah, awesome yeah. dude. So we're trying to get him back up. But again, guys like that who have all this experience to where when someone says to me like, oh, are you going to train me to be a gunfighter? No, sorry, bro. I'm not a gunfighter. I've never been in one gunfight, let alone what would it take for you to be a gunfighter? I don't know, 50? Yeah, that's not me, right? We train fundamentals, we train these things. But I get to train with people like that with that have the experience of this is what it's going to be like. This is what it is. The last part of that is the civilian instructors. Uh, there's a civilian instructor that I go to on a monthly or sometimes bi-weekly basis. Uh, Joe Savio from GST Consulting right out of Farmingdale. 
I go to him and pay him to help me stay really good as an instructor. So it's not just military. It's not law enforcement. Training is training, but vet your instructors, vet your instructors, go out there, get repetitive, good training. Cause it's the only thing that's going to make us better. The question was, how often should you shoot as much as you can, but with a purpose, I don't just go to the range and blow off a hundred rounds and, and then go home, have a purpose. It might be just this one topic of the day. It's gotta be something that you're working towards. There has to be a purpose. So yeah, I go and I did this, you know, out in Ohio, it was so much fun. I, you know, I'm away, f- away from my family for four days, but the, the training value, you know, I got rifle training, night vision training, you know, uh, shooting in and around vehicles, Something you don't get to do a lot here. Why? Because police departments don't want to shoot up their police cars. It, we got to shoot cars, shoot in, out of cars. You get to see a lot of things too that me as an instructor, when someone says, hey, when you shoot a bullet through a windshield, in or out, what's the trajectory of the round going to be? You, now I can say like, hey, not that I haven't done it before, but now I have another, another portion of that training. So it all comes down to training. And if you're waiting for your agency just to send you and to pay for it, some agencies are doing it, some aren't. You know, of all my courses, it's probably 60 to 70% people are paying out of their own pocket to come. I mean, same thing here. Same yep. thing with us. And, and, and so, you know, rightfully so, listen, I, I always argue that, I mean, you paid for college. Why yep. not pay for professional development once you're in your career? You know, you paid for a seventy dollars to $190,000 piece of paper that's basically useless. Um, we don't make that pod- this podcast about that. You know, it's funny as you're talking. We had a range, and again, I don't want to bring up any names of my old agencies, but we had a range, and I was built. And at that time, I remember saying, they, they came out and said, if you want to use the range, you can use it anytime you want. There was a protocol. You can get the keys to the range in the shift commander's office. You need to bring an AED, and a, and a quick clot had to go with you and all this other shit, and a radio. You actually, if you came mm-hmm. off duty, they made you bring a radio with you. So there was a radio designated for the range. It's all got to go with you down to the range. You got to come here first. Uh, well, listen, I get it. All smart stuff. Uh, two of my classmates... Spent a lot of time at that range. We had to see them. Even when I was working off duty, coming in and getting all this gear, they're heading down. So I said, what kind of drills are you guys running? They go, we're just practicing headshots. You know, it's so interesting. When you say that training is important, not too long after they were doing that, one of those guys had gotten a shooting. It was a hostage situation. We talked about that in the yeah, last podcast. Yeah, I, know, it's just, it's just the, the I want to reiterate the point, right? Yeah. So people said to me like, Man, it was a good shot. I go, the guy's been training for it. Literally, this is the only training he does. He goes down at the range, he can shoot, and he takes headshots. So he's been through this a thousand times in his mind of what he's going to do, when he's going to take the shot, and how he's going to line this thing up. He knows how the gun acts when he pulls that trigger. He knows what his body's going to do, what parts of his body have to move to make that bullet hit where he wants it to hit. And that's not something that comes natural. You know, when I was a firearms instructor, it'd be so funny, man. We get all these guys who come in. We're civil service, right? So veterans' preference is always the thing. We get the new recruits before they go to the academy. We'd run them through our stuff, which is consistent with the academy. Mm-hmm. You know, just um, maybe a little bit uh, deviated, but not pretty consistent. You hear it all the time. Oh, yeah, no, I, I was I was a marksman in the Marine Corps with a rifle. And I used to smile, you know. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a killer with an, with an M- M16. And I would tell people, like, so you've never shot a handgun, right? No, no, no. But if I'm wounded in 16 I'm going to crush it with a handgun. And these were the worst handgun shooters we've ever had. I've ever seen. I mean, these guys literally were having the most difficulty. I think one they, they anticipated that it was going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're two essentially completely different weapon systems. 
So you're good. You're you're a marksman with an M4 or an M4 or right. AR15, some kind of long 223 yep. 556 rifle. We're handing them 45 caliber pistols. These guys can't hit paper yeah. at at 10 yards. Well, it, it also comes down to the training portion, but for me, there's people that go, hey, I want you to train me in uh, pistol and rifle. Rifle first. Nope, pistol first. Because if you can shoot a pistol, you can shoot a rifle. Mm-hmm. If you have the fundamentals with a pistol, a rifle's easy. You have to understand some some concepts. Biggest thing with rifle is knowing the way it operates. Knowing if you have malfunctions, why? Is it magazines? Is it this? You need to know all of that stuff. So there's a little bit more to learn about the actual weapon system itself. But I teach people to shoot pistols first. If once you're good with a pistol and understand the fundamentals, translating that to a rifle is very easy. The biggest thing is is also advancing your training, right? Your your guy that that took that headshot uh, advanced the training to the part of doing things that are are more difficult. Anybody can stand at five yards away, slow pressing on the trigger, prepping right. the trigger. Right. Yes, that's a fundamental. Yes, I teach that in the course. Prep the trigger. Let confirmation of the sights, slow press to the rear. That's just to understand a fundamental. The next part of it is let's go to 15 yards and shoot five rounds as fast as you possibly can. That's part of my course. Yeah, you do that. And you start to see the difference in what the targets look like. The one who wins is the one who puts the most accurate rounds faster than the other person on target. I got to come. I wish I wasn't. I got to fly to Detroit. I wanted to come tomorrow. Yep. it, It is what it is. And the one thing we have to do in our training, and it's something that I've started to advance in mine in dry fire and live on the range, is at all the different distances, coming out as fast as I possibly can and literally pulling the trigger as fast as I possibly can and seeing what is falling apart and having to diagnose why why are my rounds three and four lower left? It's probably my grip, right? Because again, it's shooting a gun is easy. You understand it. Put the sights there. Press the trigger without deviating the sights and the bullet goes where you want. Mm-hmm. Okay, but when you're ripping five or six, seven rounds as fast as you possibly can, you're not going to be soft on the trigger. You're going to be mashing the trigger as hard as you, you possibly can. You're used to can. getting soft on that trigger in that situation, right? But in that, no, in that five yards or four yards in that close encounter, you're going to come out as fast yeah, as you can and you've got to press the trigger as you fast dump, as you can. For me at 25 or 50 or 100, people are like, come on, stop. You don't shoot it. Yes, I do. I shoot pistols at 100 yards all the time. Yeah, I love it. There's there's a purpose behind it, though. It's also that precision shot. Do I think I would really take a 100-yard pistol shot if I had to, if I had a safe background? Yeah, absolutely, I would. And I'm pretty confident in my hit factor from there. But that's a very precision, a very, very refined sight picture or dot and a slow press on the trigger. At 15 yards, I'm coming out as fast as I can, and I'm literally pulling the trigger as fast as I can. But I'm training that. I'm training to see what falls apart for me. There are guys in the competitive world, which is is my next step, is to get into the competitive world, is these guys are so fast and there's no soft on the trigger. They're just mashing it as hard as they can. You know why? Because their fundamentals of everything else is perfect. Their grip is perfect. Their target focus is perfect. Everything else works so good for them that they just need to come out and they as hard as they can. Well, the one, again, I've never been in a, an officer involved shooting, thankfully. I don't ever want to be involved in it. But most of the police officers that we've talked to that have, what do they say? I didn't really even see my sights or I didn't prep the trigger. I ripped it as fast as I could. And the experience that I've gotten from the practical shooters in this world 
are the same thing. They're like, you're not going to be easy on the trigger at five yards. You're going to mash the trigger as hard as you can, but you better have done it in training a million times mm-hmm. to understand where you're at. So like, that's how my training has advanced, right? It's, what do we do? We mastered the fundamentals and we're at the advanced level. I don't know a person that can say that they've mastered the fundamentals. Maybe there are. I'm not there. Nobody, nobody is there. Can I, can I run the, uh, <laughs> I just thought of this. How about I run the rifle course with my, um, stag 10? <laughs> do whatever you, do whatever you want. <laughs> could you, dude, could you imagine people come over and see that gun and they're like, I'm like, here, hold it. Like, holy shit. I'm like, well, this thing's accurate at a thousand yards, right? It's an, it, it, it shoots a round that's literally twice the size of a two, two, three. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine if I run the rifle. I don't even know if I'm going to have ammo for well, it. Well, you're bringing it for fun anyway and just have, just come up online with that. Everyone's like, what yeah, the, yeah, I'll do what that. the I'll hell do that. is, what the hell is well, that? Well, because it looks like a, like a, like an AR. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an, it's a, just an insane it's AR. A, it's really just an insane AR. It's amazing. Yeah. But, but even something like that, right? You can't just pick that up and shoot it. You got to go to a course. You want to learn how to shoot things at a thousand yards? Uh, first of all, I'm not the guy to teach you that. Where the fuck can you shoot a thousand yards in New Jersey? There's not a spot that I know of. Just a reduced target at 500 or uh, even that. super reduced at where are you going to go? 500. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know of a spot in Pennsylvania. There's their stuff. Look, you can drive to places like Ohio. I mean, honestly, North Carolina is not that far of a drive. Rich, North Carolina's a fucking drive, dude. But if you're going to go for for good training, it's not that far. You drive with <laughs> ten hours. You're committed, bro. <laughs> with ten hours, bro. I like travel the country nonstop, and when you say anything over five, I'm like, oh, please. I'm Lord, with you. Me. Hey, look, we drove seven hours to Ohio to go go train. It is what it is. I we, get it. We could have flew, but like, it is you what it is. You got to bring your own guns too, right? You got to bring all your stuff. But if you want to do something, you're not. It's you're not going to limit yourself to a, oh, it's a ten hour drive. Oh, no, for sure. Right. Find the best. Who's the best? I don't. I don't know, but I know there's a real good guy there. You know, to teach long distance. Brother, I'm willing to do anything I got to do. And that guy's got a 1500 yard range on his property. Damn, you got to be pumped up. Dude. Oh man, it's. Stuff. I want to go like have a fun man day. Now that the weather's gotten cool, like I just want to go and do a fucking fun man. Day. Yeah, let's do it whenever you want. But. But there's also a purpose. Like we'll have fun, but there will be some training. Oh, you know, I want to, dude. I want to get run through the yeah, training. You of know course. what I mean? I got limitations with my knee, but like I still want to. I want to, dude. I really have almost zero experience with a with a rifle. Well, listen, that's that's actually. I can shoot them. I'm accurate with shooting. Sure. Them. I don't know a lot about them. You it's know, manipula- it's the manip- manipulations. It's the skill. Yeah, like it's the jams. How to clear jams. Yep. How to move fluently. Yeah. There's there's a lot of of officers that have come to me privately because they say. Hey, listen, I'll be honest. I was, there's a rifle in my police car. I shoot it two or three, four times a year. I really know nothing about it. They've given me zero training on it. And that's, that's, that's insane to me. It's insane to me how that that's a real thing, but Hey, it's a real thing. We, we rolled out red dots in our department for pistols. It's mandatory. You take an eight hour training day. Whether it's with me or somebody else, it's mandatory. That's part of the negotiation with getting red dots? No, there was no negotiation. That was I'm in charge of that, and that's the rule I set in place. Okay. Because shooting a red dot is different than shooting iron sights on your pistol. No question about it. It makes it much easier, but there's a different understanding of it. You're, okay. going, from target, you're going from front sight focused to target focused in, in a switch of, a, switch of a sighting systems. If you don't understand the why behind it, and get a ton of reps in it because you see the same thing every time. Guy, guy, hand a guy a gun with a red dot. He comes up and and you see his hand yeah. going one into, eye closed, with, right? One eye closed, doing the figure eight, going. I don't see the red dot. Okay, again, it's open just your a, eyes. You both got eyes. both eyes open. Focus on the target. Bring it to your eyesight. There's there's some things that we do to work it out, but you know uh, th- things like that to roll that out. And it's all training. Yeah. Do I think eight hours is enough? No. It should be 
eight hours a week, but unfortunately we don't, we don't get that. But my boss is actually pretty good when it comes to that. He's like, Hey, you're the expert in that. You're an instructor in that you roll out whatever you think is best for our guys and, and our agency. And that's mandatory eight hours of training. You want to go, I'll give you reputable, reputable companies if you want to do it with me. But we set it up for, for the department to do it. And that's what I, and I propose that to other departments that are in the area that I work. You want me to come for free? I'll come for free and help you guys out. Develop Don't a- say that on a podcast, bro. <laughs> You'll be getting it. No, no. Yeah, caution. There's like two surrounding, like I'm talking the ones that surround me. They yeah, know yeah. who they are. We've, those are guys that were on- You the, work with all the time, right? Guys were on the SWAT team with me, like helping those dudes out. It is what it is. My point is the, the training, right? It's gotta, it's gotta be repetitive. It's gotta be more. We have to do it. We have to, like you said, invest in yourself and what you're doing. Because if, if you don't, you're not doing yourself or anybody else any favors. You know, it's the same continuous conversation when everybody comes on that teaches something like this. And even even from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to firearms to case laws, you all have to imagine yourself in this scenario and the what if. And actually, uh, Chad Lyman, who's fucking amazing, uh, really enjoy having him on the podcast, was on yesterday's program. And he talked about hard. You could choose your hard. So what's the hard? Yeah, it's hard to go to the gym. But it's also hard to go to the doctor, which which you know, and get start getting procedures or be in pain. So would you rather be in pain on your own accord or be on pain at the detriment of your failure to train? You know, it's hard to have to get up and go to the range once a month and get. But it's also hard to get shot and have to try to come back from that. So which hard are you choosing? So we went on and on and on. You know, he's like, you can apply this to to life, everything in life. And I I often think to people like, put yourself in the scenario where you need these skills. You're gonna want to have these skills. That's why I tell people in class, guys, you're going to fight somebody. Like, I don't care how romantic you are with the idea that you have a place where it's quiet, people don't fight here. You're going to fight somebody. The question I have for you is, are you ready to fight somebody? You're going to find yourself at a suppression hearing. I don't care if you're the fucking traffic guy. You're running rare antenna radar. You're inevitably going to step in shit. And when you step in shit and you find three quarters of a kilo of cocaine and you have no idea why it's how you got it, why it's in your evidence room now and why the attorney's calling you immediately to find out he needs the report and you you don't even know the first thing about the fourth amendment this is real shit um shooting you know you're now an active shooter right and you have you know you have issues we had a guy on from uh atlanta pd i'll say it now he was first call today didn't even get ready did you hear that episode uh it's maybe 15 20 episodes ago oh okay I'll, I'll listen. and he goes out and he takes his ar-15 and he actually wasn't prepared. It was such a hot call that he ran to his car, didn't even get the thing set up for work, wasn't ready, but knew the system. So he took a shot. He got shot in the head, didn't penetrate his skull, sliced his fucking forehead open. He got, you know, he just says, don't call me lucky because I don't want to hear that anymore. But once he realized as he ran through the system of his AR-15, he was able to, he actually didn't, he didn't miss a shot. He shot like 17 rounds at his AR and he said, hit him every single time I got from like 75 yards. He goes, how'd you hit him every time? He goes, I shoot this gun every week and it's my baby. He goes, I have a bunch of guns. This is the one that I bring to work. I love this gun. I'm in love with this gun. And I was in complete control. I had, to, I was, I was, so his life was saved on his, I will even call it borderline obsession with that weapon. But he understood that if he knew how to use this thing fluently, it was, and it saved his life, it saved the life of a lot of people. And the story's good. He's like, I was literally just laying rounds to this dude nonstop. And then he rolled over again hoisted the gun, started trying to shoot another cop, and I hit him three more times consecutively. Pop, pop, pop. And it was it. Lights out. So from, from, se- from 75 yards. From 75 yards yeah. behind a telephone pole 
after being shot, after he laid his pistol down, because the uh, I forgot what he said about the pistol. He might have, I don't know if he ran out or he had a malfunction with that, but he said, I left the pistol because I had the rifle. I went right to the rifle system because that's the one I was just more confident in. 100%. So at 75 yards. 100%. Right? So he just left the gun, the handgun. He's like, dude, I didn't even know I did that. I'm using my handgun to get back to my car to get my rifle. Like, for <laughs> yeah. real, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, but no it, it makes the point, you know, and uh, and again, I just remind people, somebody, I had a smarmy comment from a guy who came to class one time. He goes, you know, you're really pushing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. When's the last time you trained Brazilian jiu-jitsu? And I went, uh, hey, fuckhead, I'm not a cop anymore, right? And I would love, I honestly wish I could train Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but I have some real mobility issues. And it may not look like I do uh, because I don't really push the issue of mobility issues. If you'd like to come hook me up to a system where if you put me through a course of some physical movements, you'll see how fat. Dude, I was like literally sitting on the couch the other day and like I went to move on the couch and like put my leg down to shift my body and I got like pain shooting through my back just from my knee. I mean, dude, I can't, I can't do rapid movements. My pain, my knee actually, it took me a long time to get my knee strong enough where, Rich, I used to walk and the knee used to just give out. Really? Yeah. So they were like, you know, so I, I would walk, the knee would just, just disengage. And I would just like, I would like fall. And you know, my girlfriend, who's not my wife at the time would be like, what? what the fuck is going on? I'm like, my knee's not firing correctly. So I've been doing as much as I can to try to build a muscle around it to control that from happening. But it happens still. It definitely still happens. So, you know, I, I, I say this because I care about you, not because I'm saying, well, do this even though I don't. No, 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 no. I'm not a cop anymore. What that guy should should say is, well, why are you pushing jujitsu? Because it works. Yeah. Because for law enforcement, it's the most effective thing for control. I don't care who you are. It, it's not debatable. That dude should just get on a mat with somebody who's a, who's a three month white belt and he'll watch himself get handled and go, this is why jujitsu is the most important. Not only that, it, and listen, I'm, I try to get there three days a week. Typically it doesn't happen. Maybe I get there one per- perfectly fine to admit it. I do my best to get there. I'm a one stripe white belt. But guess what? I'm a one-stripe white belt against somebody that knows zero. I have the upper advantage. No doubt. You know why? Because if I get to go once a week or twice a week, I'm getting my ass kicked by men, women, big, small, whatever it is. But I'm getting put in these uncomfortable situations that if it happens at work, I'm kind of not going to freak out. I've been here before. I know what it's like. It's one of the things. And if you're a cop and you're not training jujitsu, I'm sorry. You're doing yourself a disservice. Again, here in New Jersey, I can only speak for that. There are a million jujitsu schools. They're all, they are law enforcement friendly. Matt and Scott of from I think every jujitsu school is law enforcement friendly, right? I, maybe there's one that isn't. I, I don't yeah, know. I doubt say that. I'm sure they are. My point is there are there are resources out there. You know, Matt and Scott, they run the New Jersey Leo Jiu-Jitsu on Instagram. Check them out. Free open mats for cops once a month at different locations. There are so many things. Adopt a cop. Uh, adopt a cop for jujitsu. If you're not involved in the program, get involved. It's they give you a discount for until you get a blue belt. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So the resources are there. Yes, I think jujitsu is so important for cops. Why? Because it's confidence as well. Being able to handle yourself. If you think you can fight and you're confident, you're going to display yourself differently. And you know that for how many years you're going to have confidence. People see that in your body language. People that we're talking to, they know right away who the guy is and who the guy isn't. Mm-hmm. Jiu-jitsu is just another, that insurance policy, right? It's super important. 
the firearms portion for me is very important too because something you said before about the hard, when the gun comes out, you said something about not being good with the gun and you get killed. I don't think of it that way. I think of it the opposite way. I think about the gun coming out. I don't do what I have to do. I don't have the skills to do it. And an innocent person gets killed. To me, there's things that, that are worse, than, uh, things in life that are worse than death. Me knowing that I did something because I was not up to the up to the task or my training wasn't there and an innocent person gets killed or one of my coworkers or one of my teammates and I live, that to me is worse. It's worse than death because there you die. It is what it is. You know, I hate to say it that way and sound like that, but we know this is a tough job. The hard part for me would be knowing somebody else got killed because of, of me. Think about that. That's worse than than what, how you perceived it as me getting shot. Because mm. I'd rather get shot than, than the guy with me get shot. Because it's simple, right? It's the mission, it's the team and me. Uh, that's, there's a hundred books written on that. And if you don't live by that at work or in your life, it's got to be that way. Those guys that I work with, their safety is my number one concern. Theirs. The mission is the overall, right? Those are the innocent people. Number two is those guys. Third is me. That's the way it's got to be. And if and if you're, that's where you see people that are cowards right away. Mm -hmm. You'll see that right away when they self preservation over over teammates or coworkers or things like that. It's mm. important. It's important. Well. That was this episode of the Dennis and Rich broadcast. <laughs> there you go. I have to catch a flight of the end this program now. I know that people probably still want to hear more from Rich. Uh, check out Rich's training programs at shreecop.com. He has some real phenomenal stuff. If you want to host Rich's training or have him come out and teach your agency, you can do that as well. And you can find him on Instagram at RAB Firearms. Yep. What R else? RAB underscore firearms uh, uh, SCT, Street Cop Training. Yep. Well, thank you for implementing that into your of, Instagram handle. Of course, man. Hey, it's my honor to do that. Oh, that's the one thing I, that we have to add. I said it before. I went out to Ohio for that training event, right? I got to meet a ton of people, people that I didn't know. I had a street cop shirt on, uh, the, the one of the T-shirts. And I just said to Jess's, I got to get a couple more of them. Uh, you know how many people came up to me and go, oh, street cop, street cop, because there was a mix of law enforcement and mm -hmm. one guy recognized me right away as a street cop instructor. And he was like, I'm the biggest fanboy of street cop. Please do me a favor and tell Dennis I said hi. Why don't you just FaceTime me when you do that? You know, that where we, well, first off, where we were, the phone service was terrible, number one. Number two, it was like right as training was about to start. Okay. But knowing that, I should have did that. But yeah. he's a he's a police, Zach from Achilles. He's a, he's a cop out in Ohio. Awesome, awesome guys, awesome trainers, awesome instructors, great people. He was one of the other ones too. Uh, when I ran into him, we had met and talked on Instagram a bunch of times. And we saw, in person, we were talking. We talked all about Street Cop. He, he's like, Street Cop class this and uh, want to host classes out there and go to this class. And hey, I want to take Kenny's class and Dennis's class. Like we talked about Street Cop the whole time. So awesome. like wearing that t-shirt was was huge. I got so many people who come up to me like, oh, Street Cop, Street Cop. It's like a membership card. Hey, tell Dennis I said hi. Tell Dennis I said hi. So for everybody that said it to me there, if you're listening, I told Dennis you said hi. There you go. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, even in the future, FaceTime. Uh, say, say, uh, say hi to Zach from Achilles Hill Tactical. He hey, Zach, you're the man. <laughs> um, and uh, if Rich did anything that violated your personal privacy, I'm not surprised and I apologize on behalf of the company. <laughs> So he's a, uh, we call him Richie Touchy here. That's his nickname. So sorry about that. That's a cool nickname. It's not a bad name. Oh, I didn't even know. That yeah, that this is a, well, that'll, that'll be on your, uh, your, your 
On my profile now? On your documents oh. when you go to court for your disposition. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Thanks. Right. Thanks, boss. All right, Richie Touchy. All right, buddy. <laughs> I hope people don't call you Richie Touchy yeah, from now on. They're going to now. You know that, right? <laughs> don't call Rich Richie Touchy If Frankie work. doesn't edit this, that's what they're going to call me. Yeah, well, Frankie edits this and he's going to lose a job. So. <laughs> <laughs> so and guess what? And it's going to be my closest friends. And I don't care. There's nothing. That's not nearly as bad as the things they've said to me before. Mm-hmm. So I really don't care. All right, guys. I appreciate everybody's continued support. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. Guys, if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes, but we're not close to you, fret not. We actually have on-demand training at streetcop.com. You can take that course online right now, and then you could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher. So you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong, and at the maximum going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer.